Hey, welcome back to another episode of Nose on the Wall. I'm Justin Reed. I'm feeling a bit under the weather, so we're going to make this a quick intro. Today, I am talking with an old friend, Brianna. Uh, Brianna was brought into my life from an old college roommate, and uh, we just kind of clicked. And um, I really I really do adore her, as I say, 200 times in the episode. Um, and... and you know, she is one of those people, you know, those, those random friends that, that just pop into your head. And you're like, I wonder how they're doing. Um, for me, Brianna is one of those people. Uh, if you like what you're hearing, let us know at nose on the wall podcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at nose on the wall. Uh, send us your stories, send us your memories, send us everything that, that, uh, made you, you from your childhood. Uh, so that said, without further ado, my friend Brianna, enjoy. All right. Hi, lady. How are you? Pretty good. <laughs> How are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm exhausted. Uh, we spent all night watching Outlander. Uh, if you've, are you familiar with that show? No, I've never heard of it. Dude, it is the best show I have ever watched. The, the premise is there's this World War II nurse who, hmm. after, after the war, she and her husband go off to their uh, their like honeymoon up in Scotland, and she accident while they're up in their honeymoon, she accidentally falls through a portal through time into seventeen oh hundred Scotland, and it is dramatic and <laughs> violent and sexy and captivating. It is quite possibly the best show. I have ever watched. I mean, those are my four favorite words. Dramatic, <laughs> captivating, sexy, and uh, the fourth one. I don't the know. Fourth <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. So Outlander, if you want to sponsor this podcast, I'd happily read any ad copy you send my way. Um, <laughs> what platform is that on? Uh, Stars. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's like eight bucks a month. But if you, what we've done is we get, actually, I think the first couple of seasons are on Netflix. Um, uh, but what we do is we get the star subscription and then we power through it. So we only spend $8. <laughs> that seems like the only logical way to do that. You have to, you have to binge very, very strategically. Otherwise it hits your wallet. I think that's absolutely genius. And you know, what else is there to do besides oh, these days for sure. Binging? <laughs> I have infinite time. I can get through any show in a week. We've watched so much TV. It's embarrassing. Yeah, it's shameful. I don't feel good about it. <laughs> it. It got to the point where we had to like take a vacation from Netflix because <laughs> we would, I would finish work and then uh, we would plop on the couch and be like, what are we watching now? And then we would watch like seven hours of Outlander straight. Oh my and, God. Yeah, well, the episodes are like an hour long. And they all end on cliffhangers. And you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I have to keep watching this. I guess I'm stuck here forever. Yep. <laughs> uh, but the, the reason that I wanted um, you on the podcast is there are very, very few friends that I just randomly think about. And you are on that list. I'll be like just chopping carrots, making soup. <laughs> and I'm like... 
And for whatever reason, it hit. I go, I, I wonder how Brianna's doing. And I always randomly text you like, hey, I'm thinking about you. How are you? And not many people uh, are on that list. So Aww, what an honor. <laughs> I, I absolutely adore you. Oh. Um, ever since you were brought into our lives from Gabe, um, who for, for context for the listeners was my roommate down at Florida State. Um, I, I just know, I just feel this like this like special kinship with you. And uh, I, I really do adore you a lot. Yeah, I miss you. It's been, God, it's been forever. I think, th- I, I think three years since you visited us up in Cincinnati. I think so, yeah. And then a couple years before that, so. Uh, yeah, because I, let's see, because you graduated from FSU earlier than all of us because you're smart. And in 2015. Like, oh, okay. So it was only a year before I did. And then, uh, so we had that and then, yeah, our time at FSU and then your visit up to us um, in Cincinnati, which would have been, what, 2017? I think so. Oh, my God. That was such a fun trip. Yeah, I, when we went to, um, oh, what was it called? Mount Airy Forest up in, in Cincinnati so we could go to your, uh, the treehouse that you wanted to go to. The, America's only wheelchair accessible treehouse. <laughs> And yeah, I remember you were like, this is the one thing I want to do. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember how cold it was? Um, I remember how cold the three of you were. I was fine. <laughs> I just remember thinking this might be the day that my face falls off. <laughs> it was like 40. It wasn't even all that cold. <laughs> I remember from that trip, my, my most distinct memory is hearing Gabe from the other room going outside, seeing that there was ice on his windshield, and just just moaning in despair. That was a daily occurrence through the winter. <laughs> he would walk outside and be like, oh, god damn it. <laughs> because he never thought to start his car before he had to leave, and he was always in a hurry because he always slept in. So he would walk outside and be like, I need to leave now, but there's ice on my window. I'm like, dude, you need to plan better is what you need to do. No, that was me. The entire winter I spent in Buffalo, I did the exact same thing. And some days, if I was really in a rush, I would just scrape out like a tiny little circle (laughs) (laughs) so I could just see out of that. Like, it's good enough. It's going to melt eventually. Kind of like how in in Avatar, when Toph would like create that little rock armor and just had the little slit for her eyes, which (laughs) if you think back, doesn't make sense because she's blind. Not at all. (laughs) But... (laughs) Uh, which I, I I told you I really wanted to dive into this in detail when when I had you on. You, I swear to God, you look just like the voice actor for Toph. Oh, I look like her. I thought you were you, saying I sound like her. And you I look like her. You sound like not like as a twelve year old when she recorded, but <laughs> current day Toph. You, like there are so many similarities between just kind of like one like the cadences of your voice but also just like literally how you look like if I was walking down a street and I saw either of you I would think it was both of you I'd have to do a double take to like figure out who is who and I think I'm looking at pictures and the, the resemb- there is a resemblance for sure right and I mean I'm sure it has to like catch the right light or whatever but um when when Sarah and I were binging Avatar, which only took a week, um, 
we we ripped through it. Um, I was like, I, you know, where's the cast now? You know, those Google searches. And, <laughs> um, you know, the one for Toph showed up and I was just like, it's Brianna. Oh, my God. Um, so I got to rewatch that show. You do. You do. I cried like three times and it is a children's cartoon. It's not. That's a lie. It's not for children. It's it's for adults. It's too deep for children. They can't get all of all the beautiful artistry of it. It's, they can't it's, appreciate it for what it is. It's such a fabulous series, and it goes through so many like deep, um, uh, like deep dark trenches of life. And how you crawl out of it, and he's and the av- he's twelve, and he's like more emotionally stable than I am. <laughs> <laughs> Same, but that's not saying like a ton. That's fair. <laughs> We've been put through the ringer. Yeah, it's it's been a year. It's yeah. been a year. Yeah, what's going on in your year? How's the um, COVID and. All your because your own your own stuff too. Yeah. Um. So I got furloughed in March. I guess furloughed is the right term. Um. So because I was doing music therapy in assisted living facilities, Mm. and assisted living facilities were the first thing to close. So that was. It was pretty much immediate. Like we were the first thing to get furloughed. Right. Um, so then I did some remote call center work, which was literally the most miserable thing I have ever done <laughs> in my life. I would wake up and just start crying every day because I knew I was going to have to go talk to like assholes all day. And it, it was just awful. about their like T-Mobile bill or whatever. It was for an online pet pharmacy. <laughs> and people were like, my dog is dying because you didn't send this fast enough. I'm like, well, you ordered like two week free shipping. What did you think was going to happen? Right. <laughs> we're not Amazon, honey. Yeah. Or like pay for shipping if you need it tomorrow. I don't know what to tell you. But yeah. now I am. Oh, my God. Can you hear my dog barking? I can. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> we're all oh people. God. I think I think COVID times have. uh help people realize that everyone is just human and people have kids and dogs and things that happen and it's okay to not only be a employee that's a beautiful way to think about it (laughs) i mean i because i mean for my job i do a lot of um i'm on the phone all day too Mm -hmm. and you know, I'll be talking with with uh, with clients, and all of a sudden you hear, you know, <laughs> the doorbell goes off. They're like, "Oh God, the maintenance people are here for the kitchen and whatever." And it's just like, I, I appreciate the one thing that I guess is positive out of this whole COVIDy outsideness is, um, I feel people are slowly understanding that we have more in our lives than just our jobs or just any one specific lane. Um, And those things do overlap sometimes and you just got to let it happen. I hope that that lasts. If there's one thing that lasts from this time, I hope it's that people are okay with things being a mess sometimes. Right. Right. (laughs) 
Um, but kind of to your point with like the people freaking out about their pets, uh, when we were in Cincinnati, Sarah worked at the, uh, at, at a vet's office mm-hmm. and it, the same thing, people would be like, something's wrong with my dog. He, he's been throwing up blood and they're like, okay, for how long has this been happening? Three weeks. It's like, this is, this <laughs> needed to come in day two. What are you talking about? What? You're not a good pet owner. And like, I'm sure they blame you. Of course, whatever like, goes wrong. Yeah, you need to save this dog. I was like, you, you didn't give us much to work with. Um, there is one case in particular, and this would this is like the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in any pet owner situation, ever, up to this point in my life, was they had one uh, patient. It was a cat, and <laughs> <laughs> the cat was like blind as hell and like just nothing in this cat's body worked and what they discovered was that this cat had a diet of exclusively spaghettios and hawaiian (laughs) sweet rolls (laughs) no oh my god i don't here's the thing that's crazy right like we can agree that that's a crazy thing to feed a cat exclusively my wonder is like how did you land on that being the diet that's exactly what i was thinking like did your cat just steal a hawaiian roll one day and you decided oh okay yeah that can be for you yeah he likes them okay i like this (laughs) if that's how we decided on our pet's diet arizona would never eat anything except pizza it's the only (laughs) thing she likes it's it's just crazy and the and the the their answer is always the same. It's just like, but she won't eat anything else. It's like, because you're feeding it SpaghettiOs. <laughs> like, it's like those parents that are like, my kid only eats chicken nuggets. I'm like, because you only give him chicken nuggets. Oh, like, God, that, that, that person works? should be in jail. <laughs> that's, that's just so horrible. Like, but he doesn't like anything else. I'm like, it's a child. Make it eat food. <laughs> Come on. Yeah, I was that kid. Oh, were you? Oh, yeah. I was well, a chicken nuggets and mac and cheese kid, and that's it. That was it. So you didn't have like a vegetable or a fruit in your system? Oh, fruits, all. yes. Vegetables, uh, still no. Nope. Still- <laughs> Occasionally, but like not, nah, not really. That's why I still have to get Sarah to like try to eat vegetables. I'm like, we are grown adults, and... The, the woman doesn't eat anything that's green. And I f- I'm getting the sense that you don't either. <laughs> well, like, I'll eat salads every once in a while. And, like, I, I'm i not averse to them, but I don't like to buy them because then it always goes bad. Every every produce that's a vegetable ends up going bad. And then I'm like, well, you know, what doesn't go bad? Taco Bell. So <laughs> I'm really saving the planet a lot of food waste by going to Taco Bell all the time. Oh, you are. You're welcome. Oh, thank you so, so much. <laughs> no, but like <laughs> Sarah will be uh, real quick to, the, to push back on produce going bad by frozen vegetables. That's our remedy. Oh, God. And I mean, I guess. It's like a dollar for a bag. Like you can do it. And that's, uh, that's how I've snuck vegetables into Sarah's diet. Because, <laughs> no, but, but honestly, because like, she's like, okay, I want this, like, I'll make like teriyaki chicken and with like, you know, rice or whatever. And then 
I sneak out the onion and pepper blend bag, stir fry that up with some garlic, ginger, and soy sauce. And I'm like, oh, look at this. You have so much, so many vegetables. You're being so good. She's just like, this is really good. Thanks, honey. I'm like, this is literally like feeding a six-year-old. It's crazy. <laughs> uh, but she's my wife. <laughs> I don't know. My parents just never believed in forcing us to eat things. Mm-hmm. So my mom's like, if you don't want to eat it, like, that's fine. Were, were Live your just, dreams. Were they just kind of like easygoing, free spirit parents, like in general? In a way, like as, when I was in high school, my mom was like a major hard ass. But I guess when I was a kid, it was all about just like, I don't know. I feel like I was able to be my most creative self. Like I was weird as hell. I was like so deeply weird. I had a pet coconut for like a year. <laughs> Not a pet rock, not a pet animal. It was a pet coconut, and I would, like, feed it Cheerios every day. And, like, nobody told me that that was weird. It was just, like, an okay thing. <laughs> That's new. That's a new one. <laughs> I did not know that about you. That's good. Pet coconut. That's different. Yeah, I was different. I was a, just, like, a weird kid. And I went to a weird kid private school, like a Montessori school. So everybody mm-hmm. was weird. And it wasn't until I went to public school in seventh grade that I realized, oh my God, I'm so weird. <laughs> like, I don't know how to function around normal people. And it took me like a full year well, to like be a person. What did that like, real, how did that realization uh, come to be? Like, what, what did you notice first that made you feel different? It took me a while. It wasn't until like three weeks in that I realized, like, I don't know if if your middle school was like this, but everybody was wearing like Hollister, Abercrombie, you know, that kind of thing. I was was not a West Palm kid. No, we did not. Really? Ours was Walmart, Target. That was our style in our middle school. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no. Ours was all Hollister, all Abercrombie, like all super preppy. And I'd had a school uniform for like the last five years. So I didn't know how to put clothes on myself. And I was like a thrifted clothes kid. I'm like, I'm going to wear things that are like unique and weird. And then I realized like people don't look like me. (laughs) And I also like my parents and the schools I always went to like valued being smart. And then I went to public school and it was like the trendy thing for girls when you're 12 to be stupid and like to act like you don't know anything. And that, that was, I think when I started like getting a little bit bullied because Mm -hmm. I was like really into classes and would like have conversations with my teachers and people were like, dude, what are you doing? Isn't that, that I, I kind of can relate to that. Um, you know, I was going through like the gifted program. Yeah, and, same. you know, it was a, a relative to the you know, population of the school. It was a pretty small group, you know, maybe 40 kids in the school. And um, yeah, you know, I think that's when people's insecurities around, you know, quote, feeling dumb really mm. start to come out um, because that's when you, we're like, I feel it's because we're first told that we need to start thinking of our future, right? Hmm. So I, f- 
I feel like it was so the opposite for me. Like everybody who was smart wanted to hide that they were smart. Maybe this is just a gendered socialization thing. I think that's probably the case of like girls. They were like supposed to be ditzy. All the really popular kids. I don't know if they were dumb. Maybe they were. I don't know. <laughs> but they certainly fucking acted like it. <laughs> like, I I don't know. And I I realized that pretty quickly when I tried to like befriend the popular kids. I was like, this this isn't for me. They don't want me here. <laughs> right. You know, it's um it's funny. We um on on our other podcast, uh, for listeners called the Grown Up Slumber Party. Follow us at the Grown Up Slumber Party <laughs> at gmail.com and all wherever you get your podcasts. Anyway, um we were talking about there's a study that came out of the University of Illinois um several years ago. And it's the framing is like really outdated, but it's still interesting. They basically ranked like the different cliques and social groups in high school mm. into like tiers. So you're like high tier, mid tier, low tier. And at the 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 high tier was jocks right mm. um there were jocks um oh goodness floaters which like they didn't have like they weren't particularly um like good they weren't like the artsy kids they weren't the jocks they weren't brainiacs they weren't like in any like merit based group at all but they like had friends from all of those groups so because they were liked by all of the individual groups that like raise their individual social status type of thing. Mm-hmm. And then there were the good ats. And those were the kids that were just like in the band and also on the lacrosse team. And all, basically I'm describing Gabe, right? I was just going to um, say that. <laughs> of course it's Gabe. God damn it. Uh, right. So that was, um, that's the top tier. And then the mid tier, and this is where like most of us fall. Um, were the fine arts kids and the brainiacs and quote the normals and the (laughs) (laughs) normals were people that didn't weren't in any other clique at all they just like didn't have any specific they weren't artsy they weren't in band they weren't in anything but they also weren't the floaters they didn't have the social status so they just band together and they're just like kids right um and then also in the mid-tier were the stoners. And this one was interesting because you would think that they would be low-tier, mm-hmm. but because they give the jocks access to drugs, it <laughs> brings up, this is literally what the study was saying, it brings up their, their status to mid-tier because they're useful to the high-tier. Well, good for them. All right. <laughs> Breaking the caste system one drug at a time. I'm proud uh, of them. And then the low tier was like the emo and goths. Mm. And I guess like in today's terminology, like scene kids. I don't know if that's still a thing. Is I it... think died when we were in high school. Oh, I don't okay. know. But I, I don't think they call it that anymore. No, is it back to emo or something? I don't know. Uh, I don't think maybe the concept just doesn't exist. Because if you go in public and you see teenagers, they don't look like that anymore. I th- that's fair. You know, my sister's 14, so I kind of have like a front row seat to it. Um, I think the, like the track that it went on was like, 
the emo and goth was like all black and then the scene kids kind of like got the color into it that's when you had like the like the purple in the hair and the green like that kind of stuff and then it kind of like morphed into like getting charlie the unicorn sweaters and like bright blue and pink and i think that kind of like took off where you just kind of look like confetti and that's the same thing as emo goth i don't know i might be totally wrong that's what I remember my high school looking like. Like that was, I think, the peak of the scene movement, and everybody had those like side bangs, and they did their eyeliner all crazy. Mm-hmm. Did you have a face? Yes. Yes. Really? Freshman year. Yeah. So. Oh my God. Um, I, uh, I was a big Adam Lambert kid. I. Oh my God. I loved Adam Lambert. I still do. I think he's phenomenal. Um, only so many people can, you know replace freddie mercury with queen um (laughs) but yeah no i mean i love the guy and freshman year uh like the last couple months of freshman year it was uh yep long hair straightened the side bangs went down to probably like my chin on the side oh my god yeah i did the (laughs) eyeliner i had the black nail polish i mean i went full i i committed you can't see this, but my jaw is literally dropped right now. I oh. didn't know that about you at all. <laughs> a lot of people are very surprised by that because um, I am, you know, Mr. Mr. Finance guy. And like the, the, I was the mom of our college apartment. And like, <laughs> I just, I'm, I just take care of people and, you know, people would be less surprised to see me in like a French maid outfit then in uh, <laughs> <laughs> all decked that's, out Adam Lamberted. That's absolutely true. The unfortunate thing is I know the name Adam Lambert. I, I have my computer open right now and I'm Googling it. I could not have picked that man out of a police lineup if you asked oh, really? me he, who is Adam Lambert. He looks very different now than when I when I remember Adam Lambert. Um you know, he like started dyeing his hair like gray and like doing all sorts of crazy tattoos and, and stuff like that. I remember just like OG American Idol Adam Lambert, which was just oh like he was that was when that was like textbook scene kid with like <laughs> the, the side bangs and all that stuff. Um, chain wallet type of thing. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, that was that was uh, that was definitely a phase of mine. I was pretty oh, cute. Man. I was pretty cute. I very much would like to see pictures of that if it exists. Um, I'll have to find it. There are a couple. Um, there are a couple on my Facebook. They don't quite do it justice, but um, but they're there. I'll I'll find them. I'll send them to you. Good. Um, what phases did you go through? I didn't to be honest like I didn't really have I definitely didn't have a scene phase I just was always a band kid like that was just always my thing I guess and I I looked pretty normal I guess (laughs) I just with you in the in band I still can't wrap my head around how you were such a phenomenal flute player Oh, but thanks. you, I mean, you sound, you were amazing, but you didn't read music. Yeah. And how did I just, I like, how did you fake it for like seven years of middle school and high school band? 
Um, I, I can't, I, I can't wrap my head question. around it. I don't know. I guess, honestly, with perfect pitch, you can fake anything, I guess. Like, if I heard a, someone play a song once or twice, I could play it and it was no problem. So as long as I didn't have to sight read something, I was fine. That's unbelievable. I, uh, I, nobody ever noticed. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. Like, day one of beginning band, they're like, we're going to teach you how to read. And... Well, that's, that's the problem. I didn't have beginning bands. So in my oh. year private school, they had a quote unquote band class of like eight kids, a band director who knew nothing about music. And it was just like all saxophone players, basically. It was horrible. <laughs> it was like the I, I worst take, I take great collection to that of as a saxophone musicians player. to be in one ensemble. Oh, fuck. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't need five saxophones a flute player and a clarinet player like you can't call no. it a band. yeah no, no so no. i had to i taught myself completely for the first three years that i played flute and no one taught me anything i right. guess so i was like oh you don't need to learn how to read music because why would you if you don't have to and i didn't have to so i just right. never did i love the humility it's just like well when you have perfect pitches, I do. <laughs> I simply don't need these tools that you commenters need to read this silly music. I simply was given a gift from God. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just can't help it. <laughs> That's funny. Um, yeah, that always just blew my mind. Um, but question, thinking back to like middle school and high school and phases and trends, um, what, what's a word or a saying? from childhood that you want to bring back oh god hmm I'm trying to think of what my catchphrases in high school would have been what were some of yours maybe it'll jog well, my memory the one that comes to mind was and i don't know if you had this in on your side of florida uh, was trust oh and we didn't have that what trust was was this kind of like a confirmation. It was just like, yeah, I agree with what's being said. <laughs> it was kind of like a, it was manipulating like that's true. And it started being used by like the jock kids, right? So I think specifically like the basketball team, right? So someone would be like, like, dude, you got to work on your layups. And they'd be like, ah, okay, trust, trust. Like <laughs> kind of like that's the, the, that's the, uh, the dynamic. And so we in the band, we like started using it mockingly, but then yeah, that's like, how it always starts. But then it actually became part of our part of the lexicon, right? So, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, so stupid. Trust, trust. And it's funny because as I'm saying it, I'm doing the little like little surfer, like little uh, little Y hand. I don't know what that's called. <laughs> yeah, um, little surfs up wiggle, and um, yeah, we're like, oh, trust is so stupid. And then, um, and then we use it actually. Like, I think Sarah and I were like at like a Panera Bread when we first started dating, and um, Sarah's so like, "I'm gonna get the uh, the broccoli cheddar uh, soup because that's just that's just the best." And I was like, "Yeah, trust." I go, "Oh no!" <laughs> started. <laughs> God damn it! Well, I don't know if this was in in your high school, but we went through a period of shortening all words and adding a Z to the end. Uh, do go on. For example, 
If you were to say something was super awkward, you'd say it was soups ox. <laughs> I don't think anyone ever said that out loud because like, God, that sounds stupid. But that's how people like typed. I typed soups ox all the time. I look back at my old Facebook stuff when it comes up in my memories. And I'm like, why are there so many Z's? Why did I end every word with a Z? <laughs> um, we didn't have that. I like that though. I like that a lot. I think I'm going to uh, bring it back. You should. That was, that was the question. Get it started. Make a, make a change.org petition. <laughs> Subesox.com. There you go. <laughs> um, what was, kind of pivoting here just a little bit, what was your favorite smell from your childhood? My favorite smell from my childhood? Um, there was a tree on the street that I grew up in mm -hmm. and I can picture it. I, I think it's a plumeria. I, I don't know if that's the name, but it's like a, a white flower with like a yellow inside and it smells super sweet. It has this very distinct smell that I can like picture in mm -hmm. my nose. <laughs> yeah. You can picture in your nose. I got you. Um, I just Googled it. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, that, so that's the name? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Plumeria tree. Um, it is part of the Frangipani family. Yes. Yes. If I'm and it was, that right. I think so. And it was beautiful. And it didn't have flowers all the time. Mm -hmm. So when it did, it was like a special thing of just like the nice smelling tree. And I, I used to, you know leave the house when I was a child. I don't do that anymore. But at one point in my life, I did. And it was always nice to just like take walks or ride my bike around the neighborhood and have it be nice smelling. You're a big uh, uh, flower girl? Kind of. I, I like plants. Whenever you make it out to the, uh, the West Coast here, we'll have to take you to um, the, uh, the Portland Japanese gardens. That's oh like... That's like the, the destination for plant lovers. Oh my God. I want to live in Portland or at least <laughs> what like my romanticized idea of what Portland is. Um, we actually haven't got the chance to experience Portland um, all that much because we're, we're over the river in Washington. Um, so mm. we're, we're, we're suburbanites at, at heart. And, <laughs> and just because of, I mean, between... Um, the fires and the riots and like all the stuff that's just going on. We just haven't really gotten the chance to, and of course it's all pandemic-y outside. So we just haven't had the chance to actually experience this area as much as we wanted to. Um, and now it's getting cold. So it's like, oh, all the summer stuff um, <laughs> is gone. But we did, there's a, uh, about two hours from us, there's a little town called Cannon Beach and it is an off-leash dog beach. Oh my God, Dude, the dream. It's awesome. We, we, do, we took uh, Corin Finley and we just like unclip them from their, their leash and go, go, have fun. And they, for like three hours, are just like running up to dogs, kicking sand on people. It's a great time. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize you really moved to Portland at like the worst possible time. It, you know, I, I, I don't. 
it just happened, you know? <laughs> it, it's almost impressive, really, how yeah. many factors you had working against you in Portland oh my this God. summer. You know, and I never want to do that drive ever again. Ever again. From Cincinnati to Portland? From Cincinnati to, to Portland. It was... Yikes. It, I drove for 40 hours in three days. That's it, disgusting. It was a lot. And um, was it a comfortable drive, Justin? No, it wasn't. Um, <laughs> we had, I rented the U-Haul, and I had both dogs in the cabin with me. Oh, no. So, which does not have that much space. Now, to their credit, they did so well. I was, very pr- I was a very proud dog dad because um, they just cuddled up and, and slept pretty much the whole time, stopped to pee, and then go back to sleep. Um, so they, they, they did their best. And then, uh, you know, we also have uh, the bunny, Luna. And um, so Sarah flew with her, and I did the drive. Um, because the, Yeah, because the, the bunny does not drive well. And there's just so much like stuff with yeah. her because she's got her litter box and then the cage and the hay and the f- it's just like it's too much. So I was like, Sarah, you deal with that. I'll do the drive. God, and, that's um, brutal. It was a lot. It was a lot. The second day was the worst because I went from Kansas City to Salt Lake City in a day. That was nine. That was nineteen hours in one day. Nineteen hours in one day. Why? But- Why? you do that because that was my that was my uh agenda that was my schedule that's oh god um that's what that was my destination and i was sticking to it and it was not fun because we started i started just north of kansas city and then i went like up into iowa took a sharp sharp left and i went through (laughs) the widest stretch of nebraska and Listen, oh, if, if you're I've from Nebraska, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I don't mean to disparage your state, but holy shit, it sucked. <laughs> it was awful. It was awful. A quick word from our sponsor, Anchor. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all things podcast production, from creating, editing, distributing, uh, monetizing your podcast. All of it is easily done from Anchor's comprehensive platform. Um, if you're thinking of creating a podcast, I'd highly recommend it. That's what Notes on the Wall is uh, produced and distributed by. For more information, download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. Now back to the show. And Man, I have a childhood story from Nebraska. Oh, by all means, take it away. All right. So I'll, I'll weave you a tale. <laughs> so my grandma... Mm-hmm. Uh, was born in Missouri and lived in Nebraska up until, I guess, her 20s after she graduated college. Okay. And she's like a very proud Midwesterner. And it was her dream that I go on a road trip with her through the Midwest for like, God, it must have been like 10 days. So we drove through all of Missouri all of Kansas and all of Nebraska. And I don't remember a single noteworthy thing about any of those states. I'm sorry, listeners that live in the Midwest, but God, it was so much corn and soybean. (laughs) Like it really makes you realize how dependent we are as a country on corn 
and soybeans because it's mm-hmm. all there is for just thousands of miles. Yeah, it was, it it's it's something. You're just like, wow, this is flat, <laughs> <laughs> flat and like kind of sad. I don't know. It just has like an aura of sadness. And you know, it's crazy. I um I had to stop for gas in the middle of uh, towards the end of Nebraska as I was creeping into Wyoming. And I stopped for gas and it was connect. The gas station was connected to a Mexican restaurant as you, as, as is typical. And, <laughs> um, I, I walk in, there's no like mask mandate, right? Mm. The restaurant is packed. And this is in July. So we're still like prime COVID days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. Like, and people are just like munching on chips and just like, blowing particles into their family's faces and i was like oh <laughs> my god <laughs> uh, i i like i rushed out of there i drank a lot of red bull on that drive that was that's how i got through oh no <laughs> that's just it's just so awful when i did my drive from buffalo to florida that was like mm-hmm. a 24 hour drive mm-hmm. and i still did it over it was like two or three days, and I complained the entire time. Oh yeah, that would have been that would have been a quick uh, two dayer for me. Nah, no, no, no. Yeah, we've done a lot. We, the thing is, I've just done so many of those because we did we did Cincinnati to Denver in a sitting. That was a tough one. That was oh. that was seventeen hours. Um, and the problem is, you hit Kansas City as your halfway point, and mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, we only have one more state left. It's just Kansas, and then we're there. But that's half the drive. <laughs> God, so, I've heard Kansas City is pretty like cute, though. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was. We we only drove you know through it. I think we stayed there overnight on the way back. Um, but no, I mean, it was nice. To, it was a nice city to drive through. Um, and it, it seems that um, I know you're not a, you're not much of a a sports ball fan. But I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the uh, the new Kansas City uh, Chiefs quarterback Patrick Mahomes is like actually investing in the town, which is really cool because most of these most of the like uh, you know top tier athletes, if their teams are not in on the coasts, they like still have their New York or L.A. or whatever home, and then they just like fly a lot. But he is living in Kansas City. He like bought a uh, partial like minority owner stake in their baseball team. That like he's actually investing in in the community, which is really cool. Uh, it helps that he got the largest sports contract in history like oh ev- ever ever. I mean, the he signed a 10-year, 500 million dollar deal. Holy shit. Yeah, and he's 24 years old. Oh, that makes me feel really bad about myself. I, I just want, I'd be like, just give me one, one, one million. Just for the rest of, of my life. I can live off that for the rest of my Done. life, please. <laughs> um, but point being, I think Kansas City is going to be, uh, um, I, I already thought it was a nice city, but I think it's going to be cool to see uh, some local support from, you know, it's it, the superstars of the town. Yeah, they deserve it. <laughs> listeners if you're from kansas city no we love you <laughs> <laughs> we support you i hope you live your dreams um what uh what did you believe for way too long 
as a kid? Hmm. I I don't know what the typical age that children stop believing in the tooth fairy is, mm. but I think that I held on to that for a pretty long time. So I must have been like six when I started to question it. And I had like a very emotional realization that my mom had been lying to me. And I had like this tearful <laughs> conversation about like, why would you tell me something that's not true? And she's like, no, it is true. So my mom forged a letter from the tooth fairy that basically said, you know, your mom's just been trying to cover for me. I have like a very secretive job and my job is very important. And like, it was on letterhead. My mom got tooth fairy letterhead. <laughs> and so, God, I must've been like in fourth grade when I felt like certain that the tooth fairy did not exist. So I, wow. I think that was too long. Oh my God. That's funny. The tooth fairy was shattered for me really early. Um, because I was five and I caught my mom with her arm under my pillow. <laughs> I woke up and I was like, what you doing? And she goes, shit. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it. Um, yeah, for me, I believed as the, as the one Jew in most people's circles, I believed it was my responsibility to inform all of my classmates that Santa did not exist. And <laughs> that, does, that does not make you the cool kid in school. <laughs> um, and I probably, it probably took me until like mid-teens to be like, how about you not be mean to children? Because that's really what it was, <laughs> right? I mean, if looking back on it, it's just like, everyone makes fun of me for being Jewish. So I'm going to shatter your dreams and destroy the world as you know it. I don't know. That seems fair to me. Seems fair to me. But I feel like I, I, for a long time, operated on like a zero-sum game kind of thing. It's just like, only one can win. And I intend it to be me. And um, so I'm going to take away the dreams of children so that I can feel better about myself. And looking back on it, I don't know if I felt that much better. So it's like... To be fair, you're not the only one. Because I remember in elementary school, all the other Jewish kids were always... Did the exact same thing. My mom told me that Santa doesn't exist. And I know because I'm Jewish. Like, <laughs> you certainly were not the only one. Right. Um, so I feel like just looking back on it, I could have... Uh, I could have, uh, you know, tapped the brakes a little bit on that. Um, yeah, that's what they get for being anti-Semitic children. Whatever. <laughs> I don't even think it, like there were. I mean, it was South Florida. There certainly were some some pretty serious anti-Semites. But like the majority were just like, ha ha, I want a PlayStation. Ha 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 ha. You know, they're just kind of <laughs> doing their own thing. Um, and then those are the those are the weak. So I targeted them, and was just like, um, I'm gonna shatter your whole world and uh, not feel an ounce of remorse about it. At what age did you start feeling remorse for being mean to children? Oh, God. 24. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I think hmm, that's a good question. Probably around when my sister was born. So I was 11 uh, when she joined the picture. Um, so because up to that point, because there's a four-year gap between me and my brother. Four and, a half, four and a half year gap so right so growing up like he was always a little kid 
because that gap is is we weren't close enough to um we like we were never in the same developmental stage mm-hmm. ever um and now we're like just getting into it because he's now in his early 20s mm-hmm. um so like he was always at the la- the stage prior to what i was at and i got to pick on him for it yeah my brother was three years younger and i did the same thing right so when when my sister joined the mix um like i'm not gonna pick on an infant and i think that's when <laughs> like that's when my sympathies very slow and it wasn't immediate it was probably over the course of like 11 to you know question mark but that's when i started to get a little a little more sympathetic to you know the human condition um and just like letting people sort out their own life and not being like santa's not real ha 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 um so i yeah probably around then i don't know i i i i always thought myself as someone who was like really introspective Mm. and i feel like i am now um but i always because you might relate to this um because i was like one of the gifted kids i felt a like a superiority complex in terms of like maturity because i i felt that because i was smart and because i was serious about school that i am more mature and more ready for adult life than the rest of my you know quote non-gifted peers um that's why i convinced myself it was okay to graduate when i was 19 years old Right. graduate college when i was 19 because i had that gifted kid complex mm-hmm. and what comes with that complex is a, a real lack of empathy unfortunately you're all I, I was only sympathetic to the other uh like brainiac kids right and i kind of did the same path i wasn't as ahead as you i i graduated college at an old age of 20 i couldn't we can't all be <laughs> 19 like you um but yeah i don't know my sympathies like had a limit to people that i deemed worthy of them which is a really really shitty quality to have um i think all children though and even through high school i think most people are like that i don't think you really develop like empathy for all people until your 20s i mean that's why high schoolers and middle schoolers are so shitty and mean (laughs) Like, it's not their fault. I just think developmentally, they can't be good people. They're just a bunch of goblins. They are a bunch of goblins. It's exactly with, how you put it. With newfound testosterone pumping through their veins. Testosterone <laughs> goblins. Making them angry, violent creatures. <laughs> but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I just, I, I really like, prided myself on how mature I was and then I realized that I wasn't at all Um, (laughs) which is like that's a harsh reality to come to Um, and and that's something I'm still dealing with like Sarah and I will get into an argument and I I like I'm gonna take the higher ground and she's like no no no, that's not higher ground you're just acting like a baby I'm like oh (laughs) that's fair (laughs) and you look back on it and you're like okay there's some growth to come from this um, but I feel like, yeah, that like sense of reflection has only recently really started um, because you know, prior it was just through the lens of I'm better than you and more mature than you. So, ha ha, loser. <laughs> and that's not really, that's not, that's not sympathy. That's just being an asshole. 
Yeah. <laughs> but I don't think you can blame yourself for that. I think definitely everyone is an asshole until their early 20s. Right. <laughs> and, and for a lot, it doesn't end there. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I think right. maybe your early 20s is when you're self-aware enough to realize that you want to be less awful. Mm-hmm. And some people just don't ever get that desire to be less awful. Right, right. But as we as we um, uh, mentioned earlier in this, like I really do hope that this COVID-y world um, gets people to kind of appreciate everyone again. <laughs> I know that's kind of like a hippy dippy uh, mindset to have, but I, I I stand by it. You're like, well, you really changed since you got to Portland. Uh, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> no, I think, uh, yeah, just, I, I feel that um, this whole, you know, pandemic has, at least for me, um, helped me prioritize what's actually important. Um, and then on that list is, you know, being more caring and being more thoughtful to other people's experiences. Um, but on top of that list was starting a podcast and making a bunch of money. So that's a tough thing to, to juxtapose. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, my whole life, I thought that I was like pure introvert. And it took about three weeks of not leaving my house for me to realize that that was not true. I think I'm like a, I think they call it an ambivert. What? An ambivert. It's like in between an introvert and an extrovert. Where, like ambidextrous. Uh, right, right, right. Where do you... So let me ask you this. When you spend time with people, does that give you energy or does that deplete your energy? Both. It depends. Like I oh, don't like I fit into one of those categories. So it, it, I thought I would be fine you know, not leaving the house, I really was like, oh, you yeah, fuck people, whatever. Like, I don't need anybody. And that didn't last. And now I, even the people that I didn't really like that much before the pandemic, I would love to hang out with. Because <laughs> I'm still right. not seeing people. I mean, I live with my boyfriend and beyond that, I've seen like one person in nine months. Right. You're really, you're really locking down. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying. <laughs> Is it, it's hard. Yeah. Is it weird being down in Florida and taking it seriously and watching the state just like not <laughs> at all? Yeah. It's, it's unbearable. Like if I drive through our downtown area, there's everybody at restaurants just like bopping around. Everybody I know is still having parties and they're like, oh, but it's only nine people. But I see a different nine people every single weekend. Right. Like, God, you're, you're not doing this right at all it it's it's i don't know it's frustrating to no end especially right. because my grandma died of coronavirus actually mm. in july oh i'm so sorry thank you it was just it's so stupid because it was so preventable right that's just what makes me like extremely angry that all, everyone who's died it was preventable right right because people want to be assholes and those are people that I, I know we're talking about sympathy. I don't feel sympathy for, or like any kind of empathy for people who are making bad choices, like the anti-maskers. 
I can't empathize with those people at all. Right. Right. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. I, I mean, I remember watching the, um, I think it was down by you, the like, the like city council meeting that went viral. Was that down in? That was like, my fucking county. Oh my God. Yeah. And people were just like, I don't uh, wear masks for the same reason. I don't wear underwear. I just like to let things breathe. That's a direct quote. Oh I didn't God. make that up. Yeah, wow. that happened. Someone said that in a public forum. <clears throat> I hate it here. <laughs> Please That's help crazy. me. <laughs> well, wait, wait, if you ever want to come out to the West Coast, we've got room for you. Oh, um, God. That's nuts. I'm, I'm, I'm really sorry about your grandma. I know my, um, my great-grandma got COVID, and oh uh, we, we thought it was a death sentence. We really did because um, she's 88, 89 and has been in poor health for the last 25 years. And um, we're like, well, this is it. And she, it was in a nursing home down in Miami. Yeah, and nursing home for mine. Wait, what nursing home? I don't know. Oh, I, don't, I, don't know. <laughs> I was going to say, it, it could have been the same one. Um, I'm trying to think of the timeline. It, it may have been in July. I don't know. Maybe. Was, yeah. your, was your grandma at a, a pro- predominantly Cuban nursing home? We specifically moved her to one where people spoke English because she went to a rehab facility and it was all Cuban and she was just like, you know, she's Midwestern and little. Like <laughs> she did not fit in there at all. Right. Um, so probably probably next door nursing homes. Um, but you know, and then she uh, she like kicked it. She's like, no, I'm good. Or like, Hell how yeah. on earth did you not die? <laughs> it's like <laughs> such a weird question to ask but we like we just accepted it we're like this is going to go downhill quick and then yeah i don't know she just rubbed a little vix vapor rub on it and then it was all better <laughs> <laughs> um did you did you guys growing up have any like home remedies for whatever like sicknesses just talking about the vix vapor rub made me think of it the only weird one that I can think of was in high school. Mm-hmm. If we had a stomach ache, my mom would give us like pure Coca-Cola syrup. What? Like the, the kind of syrup that they like put in a machine to yeah, mix yeah, yeah. with. Apparently, there's something in it that's supposed to be settling for your stomach. And I was stoked about it at first. I'm like, hell yeah, mom's giving me soda. But the pure concentrated. Yeah. It's bad. It's really bad. Yeah, no. I I, had to, I handled those big bags of syrup when I worked at the movie theater. It's not <laughs> it's not pretty looking stuff. Oh, and I, you know, now that I think about it, I've never seen that anywhere. I've never seen that in a pharmacy or a drugstore. Where the hell did my mom get that? What? Why that, did she? That black market Coca Cola syrup. <laughs> uh, oh my god. <laughs> I have to call my mom. Yeah, she's doing some deals in some alleyways. <laughs> From a kid in a movie theater. Yeah. <laughs> but like, we got Mr. Pibb, we got Sprite, we got Coke. What you want? Oh, God. I love Mr. Pibb. <laughs> do you really? I do. Oh, we had our, our, our movie theater goers. It, Pibb had a following. It was, it was either Cherry Coke or Mr. Pibb. Yes, they're both so underrated. They're both so wonderful. <laughs> I, I I just not not quite for me. I'm I'm a Coke Zero kind of boy. Oh uh, no. I'm sorry. 
I stand by my convictions, though. That's all right. I'll 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 try to forget <laughs> that I know that about you. Um, but our, our home room, everything was Vicks VapoRub, man. Everything. You're everything. cute. Yeah. 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 Everything was Vicks. It was like stuffy nose, Vicks. Broken heart, Vicks. <laughs> Broken bones, Vicks. All of it. No, we had, um, we had one, if we were like really congested, the method was you boil a pot of water. You take a big old slab as if you're like laying a brick wall, like a big old <laughs> slab of it, plop it in the boiling water. And then you take a towel over the back of your head. You kind of put your head over the Vicks steam and you come back up a new person. It's, <laughs> oh my God. Like, I'm pretty sure like I got a high from it. it like looking back on it, it's amazing. It's amazing. And um, it's funny because Sarah hates the scent of Vicks. Cause it's so strong yeah and she has a sensitive little nose and um i'm like too bad and i just i i slather it i like paint my body with it if i'm not if i'm feeling even slightly under the weather it's like the the little ball's like don't put under your nose i'm like yeah okay and i just like <laughs> paint paint my upper lip with it you put it on your chest you put a little bit on the bottoms of your feet and uh you'll feel great i don't think I've ever used it in my life. What? Yeah, I, I, I can't think of a time that I would have. I don't know. Dude, don't even, you don't even need to be sick to use it. If you just want to like feel good, just bathe in Vicks. It'll just make you feel better, regardless of how you're feeling now. I, I can stand to feel better. So yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, how are things going with your... Uh your stuff uh yeah you know it's uh it's shitty trying to deal with like insurance stuff all week what's I don't the know. what's the name of your uh it's your... called ehlers danlos syndrome and what was like the um like what is the the scientific um I guess effects of it because I've seen it, but what exactly is the, uh, what does it do? Yeah. So it is a collagen disorder. So literally everything in your body is made up of collagen, your muscles, your skin. It's like holds your joints together. They call it mm -hmm. like the cement of the body. So mine, your collagen is supposed to kind of like stretch and then go back to its normal shape. Right. Mine doesn't go back. So it just kind of stretches forever. Mm. So the problem with that primarily is like joint dislocations because there's nothing that holds your joints oh, together. Gotcha. Right. Yeah. But it also has like stomach effects and nervous system stuff. It really, it's, it's very like a full body disease any mm -hmm. weird thing that happens i'm like oh this is just like a normal symptom i can't hear today but like that's fine it's that's oh probably god. normal <laughs> oh my god well well like dealing with your medical stuff does that ever do you go through like bouts of of like reflectiveness like do you go do you get like randomly really sentimental and and does that like come in as waves oh yeah all the time all the time like 
I don't know if I'm like feeling really bad, I'll just go and like look at all my pictures from college when like things were a little bit better <laughs> than they are now. And like just spend hours pouring over memories of like, wow, like I sure remember when things were like easy and fun. And I was like drunk all the time. It was great. <laughs> <laughs> I remember those days. Those were good. I ones. don't. I don't. <laughs> yeah, I remember uh, uh, picking you up off of a lot of floors and putting you on a lot of couches and, and tucking you into bed. Okay, that makes it sound like I had like a real problem. I like to describe my drinking in college was it wasn't frequent, but it was intense. It was it was strategic, is what it was, and I just happened to be there during your uh, your strategy sessions. Literally all of them, I yeah. think. <laughs> well, that's because I mean, with with Gabe being the roommate, you you're, you're just always at her place. Um, which I mean, that was always fun, just to like all sit on the floor and do our homework together, and and yeah. um, I, I I definitely look back on those those days very fondly, but. Uh, I wanted to ask you, you say that, you know, you think back to all your favorite memories and, and all that when you get, when you get into those phases, what's like the one, the first one that always comes to mind? Like your, from your, college? Just your, yeah. When you get reflective, like what's your favorite, what's, that's the one thing you really dwell on? Um, it's not so much one memory, but I guess a series of okay. memories. I really liked being outside in college and like in Tallahassee, there's so much like nature mm -hmm. and trails. And I used to go hiking and stuff with my friends all the time. Like I used to take my dog for a three mile hike every day. Right. And obviously that's like not something that I do anymore, but I think I, I get very sentimental for like the freedom of being outside and like, mm -hmm. I think maybe specifically not being on pavement is what it is. Oh, okay. With the walker that I use now, I can't, I can't go through dirt. Right. And I think there's something like very therapeutic maybe about being on dirt, <laughs> like being, right, I right, think right. it brings you a little bit closer to nature. And I think that's, uh, I miss that for sure. Sure. I mean, I know when you came up to us in, in Cincinnati, we went to Mount Airy Forest um, we went off on that one little trail yeah and it was both really heartwarming but also I, I really felt for you because we could only get so far into it before we had to yeah. turn around and it was it was nice to you know see you in your element um, but I definitely I don't know if it's sympathizing or empathizing whichever one's correct I always miss <laughs> um, but I definitely I, I, I felt for you in that moment um, and is it, it is it tough, like needing to rely on people when you don't want to, like physically? Is that like what's that? Um... I think that's arguably the hardest part of it for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, at, at least emotionally. So, my boyfriend is like you know wonderful, and he does so much caretaking for me. Like, he does all food stuff. He drives me everywhere. Like, I really could not be doing what I'm doing right now without him. And that sucks. <laughs> like, it's right. wonderful that I have that wonderful support system, but I don't want to need it. Like, I, I think the worst part of it is how much guilt 
it creates of like feeling like a burden. And I know that most disabled people can definitely relate to that of feeling mm -hmm. like a burden. Cause you know, I guess that's what society sort of tells people, disabled people that they are, especially now. I mean, the pandemic has really just proved the way that society devalues disabled people. But I think that's the hardest part is like feeling guilty about it all the time. Right. Yeah. That's gotta be tough. Um, like how do you, how do you convince yourself or at least try to talk yourself through not feeling that guilt? Well, I guess in a way I'm sort of lucky because I was already disabled when I met my boyfriend. So he knew what he was getting into from day one. <laughs> right. He signed but, you know, the dotted there, line. Exactly. There were some people, there's lots of people who get sick while they're already with their partner. And then, you know, it becomes a whole thing of like, I didn't sign up for this. Like, you're not the person I used to be. So I feel a lot better, I guess, knowing that he doesn't know me any other way. Right. Right. That's a, such a weird, like, a weird framing of it. It's, I mean, I, I make, it makes sense. I get it. Um, but, like, thinking about that just, like, rationally is so strange because it's, like, it's a good thing that he knows that I'm, you know, disabled um, because uh, now he doesn't get the out. Like, isn't that, it's, like, it's such a weird, <laughs> it's such a strange framing of it, but it makes total sense. Um, but God, God, I think I, you know, I referenced earlier that you look, uh, just like Toph from, from Avatar, but I do also have to, you know, give you credit because you also, uh, hold yourself like Toph from Avatar because <laughs> you've, well, truly you've been put through the ringer, you, but you've always kept your, your, your chin up, um, and, and just rolled with the punches and, and I, I think that's why I feel so uh, just drawn to you as a person because um, you are you're so ridiculously strong, and I'm not just blowing smoke up your ass. This is this is from <laughs> the heart, um, and you accept the challenges you have, and you deal with them, and you continue to deal with them, and but you're still this bright light in in uh, in my life certainly. So I I. I think that's all what uh what plays into why I adore you so much. Thank you. That's so nice. <laughs> so we do have to wrap up here. So I want to end on a uh, a light and fun note. Okay. So last question: What is your most embarrassing story from childhood? Oh God! You start with yours. Give me a minute to think of mine. Oh sure, mine's easy. <laughs> It was, at the, it was at Camp Christina in Brandon, Florida. It was a summer camp run through the YMCA. I was eight years old. And uh, at Camp Christina, you could do all sorts of activities. You could do like canoeing and swim stuff. And, and I opted to uh, do horseback riding, right? Mm -hmm. And what they don't teach you explicitly, because the camp counselors are like 16, um, what, they don't, what they don't tell you explicitly is when you are on a horse and the, we're just like in this little like circle pen type of thing. Mm -hmm. 
And when the horse begins to turn, you need to lean into the turn. Oh, no. Otherwise, if you just sit straight up, you, you start to shift the other way and you fall off the horse. So as you may imagine, I did not lean into the turn. Oh, no. The horse goes around the circle. I fall off. I land flat on my back. And I shit my pants. Oh, my God. No. <laughs> oh, that ended so much worse than I thought it was going to. So that's mine. <laughs> I mean, what did the counselors do? How did I, they handle that? They were, first, they made sure I was okay. And then I was, like, sent to the, like, the camp, like, office type of thing to, uh, to get some new underwear and, like, call my mom. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it was uh, it was a time. Uh, most of my Camp Christina memories I look back on quite fondly, but that day not so much. <laughs> oh, um, I'm I'm having a hard time thinking of one, but I can think of one that kind of explains everything about who I am. So when I was really little, mm -hmm. we this was at one of my weird hippie private schools. We would like play on the playground, but if you wanted to go inside to use the bathroom, you needed to ask permission from like your playground monitor, okay. I guess you would call her. And I was so terrified of authority and like being bad, quote right. unquote, like breaking the rules that if the, like I would not go if if there was no, if someone didn't give me permission. Right. And I have a distinct memory of me standing there at the edge of the playground, looking frantically for the playground monitor, like just absolutely desperate. Cause you know, you're five, your bladder is, you know, quite small. Right. And she, she just wasn't there. She just wasn't there. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I was like, well, I can't do anything without permission. I'd rather die than break the rules. And I peed myself. And oh, nice. I, yeah. <laughs> I was just like, okay with that. And I, just, I what about just, your day? It's what about my day. Yeah. Well, I mean, I assume somebody dealt with it. I don't really remember the specifics, but I do remember like, it didn't even occur to me to like break the rules and go use a bathroom i was right. like this is what i have to do it's all come to this it's all come down to this moment <laughs> guess i'm gonna be oh. myself on the playground and everyone's gonna know oh my god god i'm so glad we're not kids anymore <laughs> not, not the greatest times but i'm still terrified of authority and i don't like to break the rules so there you go <laughs> nothing's really changed uh, we'll have to um get a like uh like a jackbox party pack zoom call on the calendar here in the next couple of weeks and get get you know us and gabe and the whole the whole gang in that would on be it. so great get a get a little bit of human contact in yeah so <laughs> but but we do have to uh wrap up here um but let's stay in touch a little more often because i do i do absolutely adore you and, um, yeah, dude, I miss you. I uh, miss you too. We'll get you out here on the West Coast soon. Um, but uh, but until then, uh, we'll just have to uh, do our best. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, well, 
thank you ladies so much for doing this. I, I really appreciate it. And, um, thank you for uh, having me. Of course, of course. We'll have, we'll, we'll have you back. I'm sure soon. And, um, because we only, we only scratched the surface on what it is to be Brianna. So, <laughs> so many things. Yeah. So thank you. I love you. And, uh, we'll talk soon. Bye. Bye.